Good morning, good afternoon, good evening, legendary podlers. This is Jack, your lore bender for this season. This is episode four of our table talks. Today, we're finally talking about it. We're talking about combat. combat. Because it finally happened in the game. It finally happened. They could not get their way around it. With us today, we got, as usual, with our table talks, we got Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. Howdy, Jack. And we also got Aaron on board this time. Hey, Aaron. Hey. Hey. The one who doesn't like to fight. <laughs> I'm glad you picked me. <laughs> well, it wasn't so much a picking. Purpose. It was sort of a, you know, we're going down the line and we're like, okay, everyone else no, pretty much did. I, but... think, I think I am the perfect one to talk combat. <laughs> I, I have Aaron lots of opinions. Been... I think Aaron's you are been too. angling this for a while. <laughs> okay. Now, to start us off real quick, I'm just going to go through the basics of the combat again. Uh, you guys heard it during the episode, but I'm going to go over the seven steps really quick. Step one, the GM chooses an approach for each NPC group of NPCs in the exchange, and the GM keeps that choice secrets. Now, again, the approaches are defend and maneuver, advance and attack, and evade and observe. They are basically your intention, your character's intention. Um, number two, each player of a PC in the exchange chooses an approach for their character. If multiple players have PCs in the exchange, they can talk and coordinate. Their choices can be public. But if the PCs oppose each other, they keep their choices secret and reveal in the next step. Step three, the GM reveals what they chose for each NPC and the PCs opposing each other reveal their previously secret approaches. Four, all combatants who choose defend and maneuver resolve their approach. Five, Advance and attack. Six, evade and observe. Seven, all characters who lost their balance or were taken out now resolve those results. And then that's the end of that exchange. Key things to note is that when it says all combatants who choose defend and maneuver or advance and attack or evade and observe, when they resolve their approach, what that means is first, they are rolling with the respective stat of that approach, which for defend and maneuver is focus, attack is passion, evade and observe, they get to clear fatigue, but they can roll with creativity or harmony unless someone has a playbook move that says they can roll with something different. And then they roll and based on if they got seven to nine or nine to 10 says how many techniques they can use. Bear in mind, techniques are different than moves by power by the apocalypse standards. Seven to nine or 10 to 12 or 10 to 12. Well, we had someone hit a 14 earlier. They, yeah, they got, I mean, got, over 12. <laughs> yeah, so I say 10 up, I 10 up. We also had somebody hit a four, and then you get to do nothing. Well, that's not true. That's that's the thing. You can do nothing. Fail forward. Miss. You can shift your balance away from center to use a basic technique. Which is pretty cool, to be honest. It's a it really is cool, cool option when you do really poorly. All, I'm often not taking that, but it, knowing it's in your back pocket, it's kind of yeah. nice. For NPCs, as per Power by the Apocalypse standard, the GM does not roll. So NPCs use their number of techniques equal to their balance rating. And that's all chosen by me. Um, minor NPCs can only use basic. Major NPCs get like one additional technique outside of basic. Master, Master gets like two. Legendary, God, just give them whatever the hell you want. <laughs> They're legendary. They're not supposed to be brought down easily. <laughs> they got like 15 fatigue. <laughs> Yeah, make it tough. Yeah, make it tough. Make it memorable, I guess, is more yeah. the thing. Now that we got that out of the way, I guess the things that you need to keep in mind with the techniques are fatigue, conditions, status. 
Fatigue is a kind of a hit point, but also it's a currency that you use to do techniques. If you are out of fatigue, you cannot use techniques that say they cost a fatigue. Also, if you marked full on fatigue, anytime you were to f- receive a fatigue afterwards, you have to mark a condition. Conditions. Conditions are the second sort of HP, where there are emotional states, angry, insecure, afraid. And you mark each one each time that comes up, whether a move says by marking a condition or if the person's full up on fatigue and it says inflict fatigue, they inflict a condition instead. When they're done with conditions, they're out of the fight. One way or another, whatever narratively makes sense. Statuses, you have, for negative, doom, impaired, trapped, stunned. Doomed means they're about to, they're basically, if something doesn't happen to them, they die. Impaired means they are slowed and off balance. They mark one fatigue or negative two on all actions, and also NPCs give fewer techniques. Trapped means they are completely hopeless. They have to mark a combination of three fatigue or conditions to escape. And stunned means they are out of the fight. Typically, you do impaired first, unless narratively makes sense to to jump to trapped and stunned. Two impaired typically equals a trapped, and then another impaired on a trapped usually is a stun. You guys probably witnessed a lot of that in this last episode, as that was pretty much how everyone was taken out was by stunned. (laughs) Okay, now that we got most of the mechanics out of the way. There are some uh, positive statuses, too, if I might talk about some of those cool things. Go for it. There are positive statuses. Everything in this game is not negative and uphill. (laughs) I really like these positive statuses. They help inform me when I'm making some decision making as well. When you can have the empowered status, means your abilities are naturally stronger in this moment. You clear one fatigue at the end of each exchange. She that's had that. Re- <laughs> yeah, that's a really cool one to have on your side. And you have moves and things that'll give you some of, some of this or you can give to other people. There's favored. You're buoyed by circumstance. Choose an additional basic or mastered technique in the next exchange, even on a miss. So we were talking about how Sometimes you miss. It's not so great. This, this is another way you can put something in your back pocket for a miss. She also had that. <laughs> Very cool. Inspired. You're ready to stand for something. Clear inspired to shift your balance toward a principle of your choice. That's like a really nice little free move if you have that status. Hey, Jimmy. Hey, Jimmy. She had that too. <laughs> Weird. Weird. I had favored. <laughs> Favored, inspired, <laughs> empowered. Did she have prepared? No. Ready no. for what's coming. No. Clear, prepared to take plus one to the appropriate role after the role is made or avoid marking a condition. Nope. She didn't she didn't get that one. No one. That's had one prepared. when I was playing. I got that one. That was my yes, favorite one did. to get. <laughs> I loved getting it. My favorite positive status. Yep. So, th- yeah, those are good to address. I was going over the hit point stuff. So, yeah, I'm glad you brought up the uh, positive statuses. Otherwise, I might have gone right past them. I thought we would do them with the negatives that way. Yeah. You know, no little light, the little edge of the cloud is silver lining, all that good stuff. Now, each approach has three basic techniques that come with it. Defend has ready, retaliate, seize a position. Advance and attack has strike, pressure, and smash. And evade and observe has test balance, bolster or hinder, and commit. Each one having its own mechanical flavor to it. Don't think we have to go over each and every single one of those. As you guys witnessed a good chunk of them. So you can definitely hear those in action during the episode. 
one thing before we talk about how all the different characters went about it, I will say some bit of advice since we're talking about the basic techniques. Bear in mind when you're rolling on your approach, you roll first, then choose your techniques. Have techniques in mind, but do not get committed to anything because you never know what you might roll. I have already had situations where players were a little disgruntled on the fact that like, wow, I can't do this one technique because I didn't roll a 10 plus. That sucks. I kind of really want to do this one narrative thing, but I can't do that narrative thing because I did not roll a 10 plus. And right, the role will dictate some of your choices. The roles dictate the choices. The yeah, it's important for the GMs to really make sure the players are in that mindset. If the players are immediately telling you what techniques they use before they roll, be like, no, no, stop. Roll first. I did that several times during the episode. A lot of people had very clear cuts because, of course, you're excited. You want to paint this narrative. You want to use these techniques. You got to make sure you can roll, roll first to make sure you hit those. So how about we talk about how... Well, Jimmy, you weren't there for again, but Jimmy, we can also include your past experiences with the system, because I think that this is something interesting to address. And I know this is something Aaron very much wants to talk to. So first, we'll talk about Tinwa. Tinwa was very offensive, pretty much advanced an attack the whole way through. Wanted to defend Wei, did strikes, did chi blocking techniques, basically inflicted a lot of fatigue and conditions on Commander Akira very quickly. Roll 10 pluses all the time. That was what happened in regards to that. That's, you know, because of that is how partially how Akira got down so quickly. Though, granted, what ended up happening to Akira was a tree fell on her. But that was part of the advance and attack because smash happened. Because Who also, smashed the tree? Teen Wild with a did. punch. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, there, yeah, there was like two trees that went down. Yeah. Nice. Now, bear in mind, also, you say the technique. I can't wait to hear that. You say the technique, but you also say the narrative result. And you let your players say the narrative results. Unless you get the feeling that the players aren't that big on explaining narrative combat, because not everybody is. That's why with Teen Wa, I already got the idea that Lisa wasn't that big on explaining it. So I presented how Smash looked. She very much seemed to love it. Lisa very much seemed to love it. And we went with that. I'll let Jimmy find out what that narrative sounded like. Cool. Yeah, I can't wait to hear it. We'll go to Mayu acted more as kind of kind of switched it up, kind of acted more like an assist to she with defending against Captain uh, Chang and not really too much to talk about there. We did we did use a technique not as narratively written where did flame breath, but because of the result, it, it still made sense. So, you know, that's one thing there. Now we can talk about the powerhouse that was she where she kept buffing himself and getting himself to do it's funny because he didn't even garrett didn't even realize i think how much he was buffing himself because <laughs> he's playing a very like defensive and evading character but that's also causing all those things that happen like the second exchange she was like oh you have three techniques he's like what i'm like you have three techniques go crazy <laughs> And Garrett presented an amazing narrative of how she basically handled these two with the help of Mayu, because bear in mind, you know, just because someone's out of a fight during the defensive round, that out of the fight, I'm throwing up quotation marks, audio quotation marks, that out of the fight doesn't apply until at the end of the exchange. They still get to do their turn. And then we have Wei. Wei, please explain a bit about how you decided to go about things. Well, so 
first, I might mention or have Jack mention that the game is very particular on how it wants your characters to be able to deal with things. I will say specifically the core book when it talks about the expectations of the player characters. That's several. It says you all have to answer the call willingly. You aren't killers or villains. You are friendly and you are still growing and learning. But the one in topic is actually the first one. You are a skilled martial artist. And it reads, regardless of your training, every one of you is a skilled martial artist prepared to spar and scuffle with competent opponents. Even companions who focus on technology have taken some form of self-defense class and can handle themselves in a fight. Nearly every corner of the Avatarverse is filled with people who have some degree of training, even if some of those people are non-benders. But all the PCs are particularly skilled and capable. End quote. That is specifically from the book. There's a reason we address that is because we came into this with the agreement that we're going to be by the book as much as possible. That's slightly thrown out the window. After the recording, what you legendary pilots didn't get to hear, maybe we should have recorded it. It probably wasn't good audio. No. There was a bit of discussion about whether or not Wei is a martial artist. And the answer is maybe. Maybe, sort of. <laughs> we figure that Wei has had some self-defense training, but Wei is not a skilled martial artist. Not an she, expert, anyway. Yeah, no. She is. She's kind of a scrapper. She's going to use what's around her. She's going she's gonna to make stuff up as she goes along. That is her strength, is using her environment. She's, she's very creative. Yeah. She is very creative. Which Probably is a I am the most, I would say that easily I am the, I'm the character with the highest stat of anyone, and it is creativity. Flexing. So, flexing. Three. I have a three. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> See, and this also brings me to a point that I was hoping to make about this, because this is a very interesting topic. Are, are we going by the book, or are we throwing this rule out the window? And in a way, you know, your game at home, when you play this game, you're going to be able to bend and and uh, stretch these rules just like you would any other game, just like we're going to do. Clearly, we want to play the way we want to play. But th- but if you've been around martial artists your whole life, which, as it says, everyone in the Avatarverse is around it all the time, you have an understanding and you're extremely creative. You know, So there are definitely people who necessarily don't study maybe how to fight, but they've seen enough of it that they know how fighters behave. And you're so creative that over time, you've gotten... This is your own martial arts in a way to interact with the environment in order to keep yourself safe, in order to deal damage, in order to protect people around you. So that's my argument is maybe you are more of a martial artist than your character would like to admit. Now, bear in mind is that jumping real quick. I'm sorry. Sokka, throw in an example for season one and season two, except for maybe like the Kyoshi Warrior episode, pretty much does not fight. Throws a boomerang here and there, and in some cases, bumbles around the environment trying to avoid being blasted by fire or what have you. And he's coming up with a plan, is what he's always doing. He's coming up with a plan. And that's the weird thing is like, I don't, it's like they say he is competent at fighting. Like he, like you said, he's been around it. He knows how to fight like a waterbender, but he is not experienced and around, like he hasn't really had to throw down much. I can honestly say Definitely Kyoshi Warriors thing was probably the closest he's ever had to, which is also why he got showed up that episode. But th- again, that th- even with that training, that never really came up until the third season. 
So saying yeah, that, yeah. so it's weird when you want to play a Sokka, but yet you're looking at this specific ruling. When I first wanted, that was my first intention, was that I wanted to be the Sokka. And like, then we later on, we got more into our characters and I moved away from that. But it was always my intention to be a comic relief character and like not a bender in a world of benders and be the, the everyman. Personally, I think in the system, that is more than fine. If you can creatively come out of ways of how you're still doing the techniques, which like way has a lot of techniques that you mentioned have to do with the environment and outsmarting. And that's great. And I am 100% on board with that. The only thing is that has to be very clear with the GM that that is what you're aiming for. I feel like that has to be like, you know, 100% solidified. So when during the talk, I kept asking Eric, if I have a character throwing a combo away, how is Wei going to, how do I paint that narrative that if Wei is not a martial artist, how would Wei not get destroyed? And yeah, the comic relief is a good way of doing that. Yeah, and I think that you could say, like, I'm pretty adept at jumping out of the way. I've got, you know, there are all sorts of martial arts that are about not throwing a punch, just getting out of the way, not being hit. Yeah, getting out of the way or even martial arts based on dance or based on their interpretation of the movements of the forest and things like that. There's there's so many different types of martial arts that it's the interpretation of what is a martial art is very open to debate. Yeah, I mean, Tai Chi, which is what Aang, one of the styles that Aang uses, Aang avoids a lot, a lot. But then he finds an opening and blasts them across the face with air. <laughs> but And as we talk about, I, I know I didn't really talk about what I did in, in the combat, and that's because I did the step back, I did the evade and observe, which immediately uh, then afterward you made it so I couldn't do that anymore by your NPCs, <laughs> realizing that that would always be my strength. Um, that wasn't even so much the case. It was just literally they didn't want you to run away because evading yeah. is how you run. <laughs> yeah, but I actually boosted myself quite a bit so that in that first evade and observe, I pinpointed that I knew that the tree branch could be taken out yep. and I gave myself a favored status. Which helped. And... I don't even think I needed to use it no, until the really. end of combat. And then the other thing was I identified that I was going to use because earlier in the thing, when we were going hunting, I found reeds and poison <laughs> darts that Jack gave me to use. I'm so glad that was a thing. <laughs> and and so what did I do? I stuck the people with the poison darts. Yeah, one, one of them, one of them, I just poked them with it afterward because they were already down and i definitely was not going to tell you no there's no way i was going to tell you no on that i mean come on first off it was clever to get them from the get-go and then it was clever to use them even in combat it made perfect sense to me yeah so my big thing is that yeah if you were playing a character that is not exactly like throwing around fists or fire or anything like that you gotta make it clear with the gm so the gm knows how to spin that narrative or let you spin that narrative if you explain it well enough. But again, I still think that's a talk to have. When you're doing something that is ex- that is different than expected, that needs to be a talk. Typically, as far as I'm concerned, a good GM should not say no to that. As long as you can explain it, as long as you can explain how you're doing the techniques, who cares? 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Who cares? Yeah. And that's something that we embrace here at Even Footing Games with our system. We like to talk about it as a group. And yeah. we all kind of have the ability to help each other out, make decisions in the games that we make. So much that it's in the rules that that's how it works. I really like that ability to be flexible with your GM and be flexible with one another and be able to tell the story that Aaron wants to tell. Yeah, no, that's 100% makes sense. That's why I just said you got to make sure to like I know that for way it took a bit for way for Aaron to realize that with way. And yeah, I, you know, I should have been like I should have been more clear in regards to, you know, certain things during character creation because I did throw out the expectations. And yeah, that was just a, you know, a talk that we we eventually had and it was good that we had it. So that way I know later on down the line how to paint narratives about people attacking way. To be quite honest, I definitely did agree to that. And then kind of in thinking more on my character, I'm kind of like, no, she's not. She's I have played her as she's the scaredy cat of the group. She's hiding behind the big kid. She's younger. (laughs) I've played way into that, that she is the youngest of them. She is the least confident she doesn't want to speak up, even if maybe she probably might have a better idea sometimes. Yeah. And that's one of the fun things is like, yeah, it sometimes takes a while to get into a character to know that 100%. God, I've I've mentioned it before. I have so many times where I think my character is this going into it, but then they're really not. And so I get that. Again, it's all a matter of when, you know, that sort of thing is known. You talk about it, which we did. And so again, now I know how to how to paint it. And that's so that way we can tell the best story. And, you know, Aaron feels that way is represented the way that she would like way to be represented. As I mentioned in the past, to me, that's important. I do want to take a moment, though, and talk about how it plays for new players. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's uh, that's a that's a fun topic. this point i've really enjoyed i did think that the the character creation got to be a little much on the you know working through everything i liked it a lot but it was a little bit much and i'm gonna say again combat is a little much (laughs) it's a little hard to get around if you're a new player if you're used to different kinds of systems even if you're used to, I've, I've played Powered by the Apocalypse before, and this is, this is quite different. It really is. This is seriously like, Powered by the Apocalypse is typically, I do a move, I explain how it narratively applies, whatever it is, and that's it. It's not like you have this breakdown of approaches and stuff like that. Like, it's designed for martial artists, and to be honest with you, I feel like it's a combat system that really plays towards people who enjoy martial arts and enjoy martial arts narrative. But I think, though, with the typical Powered by the Apocalypse system, you could still do that narrative flair on things without without all this additional stuff. And so I kind of feel like it was 
trying to differentiate itself out of being the normal Powered by Apocalypse, and in so it kind of made itself less accessible. And like Jack has said in the past, it is going to be people's first intro to Powered by the Apocalypse and to role-playing games in general. And that's unfortunate. Yeah, it is really unfortunate. And my one friend said, hey, this feels like a mix between Dungeons and Dragons and Powered by the Apocalypse, which I say yes and no. It's not really number uh, crunchy. It's option no. crunchy. It's option crunchy because you got yeah. all those techniques. And that's kind of where you have to worry about your approach. And granted, don't get me wrong, like all this stuff really helps guide the narrative. It really helps guide it. Like the whole idea of to defend, attack, and evade, that helps guide the narrative. But you need specific things, though, to set this up. You need a GM who enjoys this stuff, who enjoys martial arts. Otherwise, it's going to be kind of awkward. I enjoy martial arts. So even though I do feel like the system is bogged down, I at least feel comfortable enough spinning the narrative. Yeah, I feel very much like Jack. I love martial arts movies. And this if you want to do a martial arts movie, the system's really good for it. As long as that martial arts movie is Avatar, as long as you're in that universe, it doesn't translate well unless you're using those bending powers or if have something that it could you could change it to electricity or force or something maybe but i think it's a stretch no matter how you change it because it is so molded and adapted to this universe throughout the game yeah. through every ability you can see the stuff being used on the screen once you played the game go back and watch Korra. go back and watch avatar you see these moves occurring yep. it's like they've done it that way However, for me, the combat system, I found it to be, like Jack said, it's a little unwieldy. I do agree. It does a nice job of setting up for these martial arts moves, but it inspired me because I do find it fun and I do think it's really neat. I don't know a lot of players personally that I think are going to love this, but I do know a few players that are going to love it more than anything else they've ever done. Yeah. So I, I did find this inspiring in that the approach system And having a set of approaches that help dictate the way that combat's going to play out. I love that. I think it's fabulous. And and so I give it an an A, even though with the caveat that it is unwieldy. It's a bit unwieldy. And I am like, I understand where you're coming from with that. And I I really do. And I I know you wouldn't believe this about us at having if you've listened to Babies and Broadswords, <laughs> but I tend to be I tend to try and talk my way out of combat in a lot of role playing games. I tend to find combat has the tendency to slow down the narrative too much for me and it gets boring where I would rather be telling the story part of my story. I know that that's not the same for everyone, but this was entirely too slow for me it really dragged and i didn't feel like i got enough story from the time i spent playing yeah now if i may you actually bring up something that i you kind of touched on something that i really want to touch on here's the fun thing you guys know how i've been saying combat's coming combat's coming combat's coming and the fact that the players were very much enthusiastic about trying to talk their way out of it Here's where I think there's a major conflict. Besides, if you take out combat, almost the entirety of the moves are social. They're all, you would literally have a move called plead. You literally have a move called trick. You have intimidate. You have guide and comfort. You have 
four moves right there alone, let alone the balance moves of live up to your potential, call someone out, that basically are begging you to be as social as humanly possible. Which I think even like Garrett was she was trying to do right before the fight. But in my mind, as the GM, narratively, too much was already done, where unless you guys could drop way some had, kind of... Way had burned the bridges with Akira, so... Yeah, well, this was even with Chang. You guys had done way too much, where Chang was very much, I don't care about your reasoning, I'm willing to drop you guys right now and get what you, and get what you have on your persons. If it's not what we want, we move on. They were done with it. Though, they didn't really keep in mind the fact that they had a whole army i mean like a not an army but a whole village behind you guys but they were too embroiled up so that's why i did not have you know him do a guide in comfort or plead take ang for example ang likes to talk ang likes to try to not fight but typically he's trying to do that while fighting because who's coming at him is aggressive they want to fight they want to take him down but yet this game is conflicting because it has so many moves for you to try to avoid, outsmart, outtalk your way out of situations and then expects you to have this complex combat system. And the, the only way you can go about that is by physically fighting. Whereas in my mind, Way would much rather, you know, set up a trap and run away. And that goes into something that I mentioned way back in like the first episode is that this game is for, and Jimmy even mentioned earlier, this game is for you to play an episode of Avatar. Avatar, when do they ever set up traps? It's extremely rare. That's extremely rare that they're in a situation. There are occasional ones, but it's usually when they're up against a big force, you know, like they're prepping against an army or something on that line. But on that, it's usually they go in fist elements flying. And so that's the sort of thing where it's sort of like, again, you have to, the system is made well, it's supposed to be designed for you to live out those things. So if you're trying to be that situation, like trap person or whatever, or try to talk your way out of combat all the time, the system's fighting you, but also encouraging you at the same time. And I think that's a problem. Yeah. I also want to mention that not everyone will come in as a fan of Avatar. Yep. Because... Here's the the deal with all TTRPGs. You play with your friends and one of your friends will be super into this and will bring this up and everybody will just say, yeah, sure, that sounds like fun. But maybe not everybody's even watched the show. I have, but it's been a, a while and I watched it as an adult, not a child. So, you know, it was not something that was super impressed upon me as a super awesome cool thing i feel awkward there (laughs) (laughs) i was an adult and it was very impressed on me (laughs) i mean it was it was good it was good it was just not it was it was no i don't know this, this proves your point though this proves your point and i feel like me being someone a fan of the show that what that the show hit me heavy on a lot of its theming and the martial arts and stuff is why I'm okay GMing this, but if you have someone like, if you're like, if you're not a fan of this, especially from a GM's chair, if you're not a fan of it, if you're not a fan of the martial arts, if you're not a fan of all this stuff, you're trying to be like a social game, pick something else. Yes. I like, I like Aaron experienced this game as an adult. I was in my mid twenties when it came on and it was on TV. We watched, you remember back in the day before streaming, I didn't catch every episode. I saw bits and pieces of it. And I was like, oh, that's 
pretty cool. It's like a kid's show that's really good. That's exactly what I thought of it. It had a very kiddish feel. I was a punk at the time. I was playing punk metal at in traveling the country. I wasn't trying to watch a kid's show. But then when it re it came out again on I think it was Netflix or something or on some streaming platform, <laughs> you got to pay us to do that show <laughs> watching apps. But when, when it came back out, it was it was a great gateway to get my wife into animation. And it did an amazing job. And I watched the whole thing and I couldn't put it down. And then, then it did strike me in a very particular way as being the kind of thing that I want my kids to watch. I really want them to watch it. And I want, I, I'll watch it again. And, and if it's on in the background, I'm happy. So I would run this game and I would run it as that. I'm going to run my own season of Avatar The Last Airbender, not from the aspect of I have this cool world I want to do and I want to showcase that my ideas it's just not that great for that so you're saying it did the strike technique on you it did the strike <laughs> technique on you. I will just say that I watched it with a four-year-old who was running around and that may have done it a disservice so <laughs> probably Probably. I'm just I'm just going <laughs> to be honest that at the time that it came out on a streaming platform, my kid was about four and wanted to watch it and was really into running around and doing his angles. Doing the moves. Yeah. <laughs> now, which breaks things. I'm going <laughs> to say my position in regards to this as a GM is I've played now with a few different groups with this system. The first group I played with, they were all fans of Avatar. They all enjoyed the show very much and we're trying to like dig deep into the lore and there was a decent balance there we played in the Korra era with a few episodes and you know it was overall pretty interesting then i played with jimmy and the ninja turtle group which i've now spoken of quite a few times where we took it out of setting which is where we saw it fall apart without the setting and now we got the group we're playing with now which i think pretty much by and large no one's really a huge fan of the show except for maybe i mean garrett sounds like he very much enjoyed it i yeah, don't think he's like 100 yeah i would say that we have all we're all familiar with it but it's not except for lisa <laughs> uh, yeah lisa had not seen it previously and had never played a powered by the apocalypse had only played dungeons and dragons so did she start watching the show she did watched a did couple like episodes it? yeah I mean, I think, show. yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she hasn't gotten up to the war propaganda, the mind, the government sanctioned mind altering, the like war crimes. That hasn't gotten to that stuff yet, I'm sure. Kids are like <laughs> seven and four. Like, you know. Well, seven's it's, a good it's, seven's the, the age, uh, the age yeah. that they were aiming for at first. Yeah. Um, but the main thing I'm getting at is that it's just weird for me seeing these perspectives that are different. Like, for example, the first group I was with, if they were in your situation, they probably would have they probably been like, OK, we understand narratively that this is supposed to be a fight now. We're not you know, we're not going to try to talk our way out of it. We understand narratively because we understand and love the show that it's supposed to be a fight. They just and embraced it and went with it. They just embraced and went with it while you guys were still trying to even, you know, even on like combat's happening. Ah! You guys were still trying to get your way out of it. And there's something rewarding very for that. Very babies and broadswords. And there's something very rewarding for that, mind you. There's something extremely rewarding of being like, hey, look, the GM obviously wants to do a fight. Let's try to talk our way out of it. This is, I wouldn't, I wouldn't call this the game for that. Like, you could do it. I was, <laughs> trying, I was trying to get them to be our armed escort through the wilderness 
oh, they were going to be on our side. You know, I played a game last night that if you wanted to do that, if you wanted to get into conflict and then talk your way out of it and disarm the situation, have that be the conflict, like you could totally do it. It's really built for that, actually. Well, the fun so. thing is, if someone actually outright said, hey, we have what we found, we acknowledge we have this thing. You might want to take a look at it. This is bad. That might that would have been when I'd had you guys roll. No one paid that. Instead, you guys were still trying to be coy and trying to be like, well, how do you know we have something what you want? You know, you guys were still trying to be coy about it. That's why they got pissed off. And again, I didn't let you guys roll when typically I would let you roll. I felt like by that point, you guys had already gone through the song and dance with them. And no one was presenting that strong like at that point. Yeah, maybe you could have actually gotten them as an armed escort. And I I'm. Would have had to have disappointed the legendary poddlers yet again with no combat. <laughs> <laughs> and instead, but, uh, I just knew that we needed to do this episode, so I let it let it go. <laughs> yeah, if someone brought that case, me as a GM, especially in like a home setting, oh yeah, I one hundred percent would have let that. I one hundred percent would have let something like that fly, where you could have definitely tried. It would have been hard, but you definitely could have tried. I knew the fight was supposed to happen. I knew we had to get to it. I love Gary still trying. Combat at some point. We had to. I've been promising the poddlers <laughs> for like two, three weeks at the and minimum. Me. And you. But yeah, any closing thoughts in regards to what you guys think of the combat mechanics? I think we covered quite a bit, so. I really, really liked the system. I liked the episodic kind of starting out point that was different than most powered by the apocalypse. This is where we've, we've lost me as a convert to the system. I feel like it should have been closer to a standard powered by the apocalypse game. Fair. Jimmy. I would say closing thoughts are, I will play this game. It's going to be a very small niche in my gaming selection. I'm going to really enjoy when I get to play it to do the thing that it does which is emulate the, the wonderful cartoon and I can do it with my adult friends or, or my son. So I, I'll keep it around. And I think the system is fantastically done for just that. Otherwise, it's shown me some neat mechanics that I'll always enjoy. I, I do think it is fun using this system. I think there, there are some pitfalls, not only in the narration like we've talked about in past episodes, but in combat as well. You'll find more of these pitfalls that can be a little bit difficult to deal with, and you can suspend your disbelief, or you can, like Aaron did, you know, suspended her desire to talk her way out of every combat. But That's not, wasn't just her. Wasn't just yeah. her. <laughs> well, she's who I'm talking to today. Yeah, I haven't seen true. the episode, heard the episode. Um, and that this And this final thought, I think that what it does, it does extremely well, if you're willing to do that as well. Yeah. Basically, Jimmy, you pretty much echoed what's in my head. Based on the experiences I've had, it's very clear that if I run this again, first off, I will be okay with running it again. I have no problems. It'll be it's with fun. A, yeah. It'll be with a group that understands the show and understands the narrative with the show and is excited to explore those narratives. And yeah, that's niche. That's niche. Yeah. And if you if you like Powered by the Apocalypse, if you like Avatar, the show, and then it's maybe like perfect. Playing, this, this, and you want to do that? Martial and arts? you want to do martial, martial arts. arts as your fighting well, style. That's, that's a caveat for if you've, if those, all those things are true. Martial arts it's adjacent. It's the show. If you watch the show and want to do the show, 
That is a martial arts show. That's like saying, here's a Bruce Lee game, but I don't want to play a combat guy. But except that there there are characters that aren't martial artists. And that's what I was saying. Because oh, and I again, I, I brought up the example of Sokka for the first two seasons. And, but again, yeah, and it seems that's the thing where it's one of those pitfalls where it's sort of like, feel free to not play a martial artist, but make sure you have a talk with your GM about how you want to do that. As with anything else in this system or any other system, if you're doing something in any system that is not something that is expected, but can still work, talk with your GM, figure out how to do it. Any good GM should say yes, as long as it's not like we're doing a horror campaign and I want to play Boo Boo the Clown. And, you know, like, granted, if you, can make Boo Boo, to your GM, you. if you can make Boo Boo the Clown work and it still feel get that horror feel, freaking go for it. If all the all the tables like, you know what, we embrace Boo Boo. Let's do this, Boo Boo. I am not playing a horror campaign without Boo Boo the Clown now. <laughs> That's that's the who that is who I am. I want to play how I want to play, and I don't really want the rules to like. If I get a good idea for a character, I want to do it that way. I don't want to have to change my. That's way. something you see though in Powered by the Apocalypse game is the very narrow scope of the characters to tell a very specific story. That's one of the tenets of PBTA. Is that we're all agreeing to tell a very specific story, and that makes the game very malleable in that way. But only, it works great when you do that thing, but it doesn't work so good <laughs> when you do something else with it. Yeah, to just throw out one example real quick before we wrap up, Monster of the Week. I had a group where I was playing a Monster of the Week game. We were doing a kind of Twin PC style, and... They weren't too focused on the monster. They weren't too focused on defeating the monster. They were more about the mystery solving and stuff like that, which part, which monster of the week is like, no, no, monster. You fight the monster. Deal with the monster. So then I proposed system change to a system. It's in the name. I, I, monster I, of- I did City of Mist, which is more about investigation, which is what they like. We still kept the setting. We still kept everything. But the system helped tell the better story. That's the thing with Powered by the Apocalypse. In Powered by the Apocalypse, you can usually swap systems in and out and keep the narrative and it still be perfectly the same. It's just you're going to get those mechanics that te- help tell that story. So, yeah. So this but, is an example. But if of, you swapped out this, you wouldn't have the awesome turtle ducks. Well, again, I can keep the avatar setting. I can keep the avatar setting. If my players want to do an avatar setting, the turtle ducks will now be included in every single game I run now. Yeah, I'll homebrew. I'll homebrew some D and D ones or some. There we go. Some B and B ones. We need. We, yeah, we need some stat only, blocks. For, only if you do for turtle ducks. Dire, dire turtle ducks. Dire turtle ducks. Babies and broadswords. Newest monster. You heard it here first. Next I got season. You. Next season we do have babies and broadswords. If I'm playing, I'm playing a turtle duck. A turtle duck baby. Obviously. <laughs> and obviously. Obviously, Aaron will play Boop Boop the clown. <laughs> I already have my character for our next season of Even Footing Games Presents, and no one can take that away from me. And don't don't ruin my secrets. Um, I got I got two ideas. I got two ideas. <laughs> I have three ideas, but I'll probably be the sitter. So. <laughs> I got two. One of them you guys have already witnessed in one of the Patreon episodes. For those who have subscribed to our Patreon, Even Footing Games Patreon, check it up. Find out what I'm talking about. So I think that wraps up this uh, episode of Table Talk. Again, I am Jack, your lore bender. I am Jimmy, the guy who is here because he likes to talk. 
I'm Aaron, policing time and and hurting cats. <laughs> Thank you so much for listening. I hope we all hope you enjoy these table talks. We hope you're learning something, and we're hoping this answering some of those burning questions. Where if you're like, "What the hell is going on with the system?" Hopefully, these talks are there to help guide you. 